Jonathan Brooks in victory formation, guys. Longhorns end uh, their tenure in the Big 12 with a championship win over uh, a outman, outgunned, outpistoled, whatever you want to call it, uh, Oklahoma State Cowboy team. I see everybody here wearing burnt orange or some level of it. Uh, Drew, Rod, Jerry, all of us together. Big 12 champs, uh, the post-game show here on On Texas Football brought to you by the folks at Flight uh, by Yingling, the nation's oldest uh, beer, uh, our oldest brewery. We appreciate them and Faust distributing each and every week in the post-game. Hey, 12 and 1. <laughs> Tell me that doesn't sound sweet. Rod, I'm going to start with you. Big 12 champs, baby. What do you think? Uh, you know what? It's unbelievable. Best team Texas had uh, in 15 years. There's no doubt about it. And I I truly believe it now, man. Based, based on the product that we just saw, this team putting together a dominant performance, a true statement to the country. First time, guys, by the way, the college football playoff committee sits in a room together in person. All right. Live human being to human being contact and actually watch college football. They don't do that all throughout the season. They have iPads and they watch it in remotely, kind of how we're doing right now. All right. But they actually sit down in a room together and watch all these games uh, today. And the Longhorns made a hell of a statement. Uh, it's going to be hard to deny that this is one of the best four teams in the country. If there are four teams better in college football, uh, mm. I, I love to hear the argument. Uh, uh, by the way, I didn't see. Hold on one second, Jerry. Apparently, Steve Sarkeesian saying the x ray negative on Xavier Worthy. It sounded like Sean McDonough, the ABC announcer, was trying to make that a thing. Oh, yeah. uh, in the closing minutes, oh, this is going to be a big loss. Uh, X-ray negative in postgame by Sark uh, almost immediately. Quinn Ewers, guys, with a whale of a game. Jerry, you want to talk about the sophomore, redshirt sophomore out of Southlake? Look, look, I mean, two things. Two Big 12 championship game records set today. Texas, 662 yards of offense. That breaks Oklahoma's record of 627 from 2008. That win over Missouri. Quinn Ewers, 452 passing yards. Big 12 championship game record. That broke Sam Bradford's record of 384 yards in that very same game in 2008. To Rod's point, best team Texas had in 15 years. Uh, Texas offensive performance, uh, the best the Longhorns have seen in a long time. Uh, in a game that matters, uh, breaking those records against a what was a tremendous uh, Oklahoma offense. I mean, look, I mean, obviously Sark was in his bag. I mean, when you you know when Terry Sweats catching a two yard touchdown, uh, it was everything they did. I thought the fourth, you know, uh, how deep was Sark in his bag? Rod Babers and Drew the end around the JT Sanders on fourth yeah. and one. That was brilliant. I was like, whoa, that yeah. you're you're digging deep in the bag at that point. Drew, what, well, what, Drew, what do you think about that big guy? Uh, Longhorns champs, the revenge tour, it feels like is complete. Uh, big 12, adios, hello SEC. But first, we got some games to watch this afternoon and into the evening because the Longhorns still with some life left in this season. I, I mean, I'm just so proud of the guys. Um, we, I, I see, I live through the players. Right. My perspective, I'm, I empathize with them, their experiences, when they get hurt, when they when they when they win, when they lose, when they're fighting through plays, uh, when they make mistakes. Like I've lived all of it. And I remember when Sark was first hired, and then there was a period after Sark was hired where we found out we were going to the SEC. And there was we knew we had this runway of 
we have some time to build this to prepare for what's ahead. And it would be sweet enough to finish at a high. It would be great to finish this thing with a Big 12 championship. That was all that was in everybody's sights throughout the program. You want to be clicking on all cylinders on your way out. And we did it, you know, and we did it. And we beat everybody who we will not play ever again. We knocked them all out this year. That unbelievable game. Uh, Every box. You, Jerry uh, and Rod and, and Drew, thank you all. I'm, I'm Bobby Burton, joined with Jerry by Jerry Hamilton, Rod Babers, and Drew Kelson. Thank you all for being here with us. Uh, it is the post-game show for Texas's 49-21 win, Big 12 championship, the final one that Texas participates in. Uh, I can't wait for Brett Yormark to hand the trophy over. I'm kind of wondering if instead he's going to give a uh, – wrestling championship belt for this trophy. They're going to replace the normal one, given uh, Brett's uh, MO. But that's, has, for, that's for the MVP. MVP. That's for the MVP. And that's going to be Quinn. So <laughs> yeah. I want to see him. I want to see him get, get, get around Quinn, get close to him, put the belt around his waist. Or I don't want to man to do that, Brett Yarmark. I put it around that man's waist. Because right now, honestly, guys, was it the best game Quinn's ever played? In, in in college football, for sure. In college football, for right. sure. Jerry, Jerry, you go to high school. It's the best game he's ever played. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't kept up with his high school stats. I, I would have to go look back, but he had a great game against Duncanville in a playoff loss, but they lost. So Quinn would say this is the best game he's ever played. No doubt wow. about it. Hey, you know what? Hey, guys, you know what he was great about doing today? Hitting the second and third guy over the middle. He hadn't done that much at all, all season long. Maybe he was more confident in pass protection. He looked like he was moving better in the pocket, too. He didn't get – he maybe self-sacked once, but that was actually some inside pressure. He moved better in the pocket today overall. The stats for Quinn Ewers, uh, to your point, definitely the player of the game for the Longhorns. uh, But I go back to this offense. I mean, they started off strong. First four plays, touchdown. Next four plays, touchdown. I mean, they're up 14 to nothing before we blinked. They were throwing the ball. Yes. It was, it was, it was throwing the football. Then how do we do it? And I brought this up early on. I don't, if you go look at the first script, right? The first script, the first 20 plays of the script, I I don't think I've ever seen Sart use fewer 11 personnel sets than he did in the first 20 plays. Came out in 21, he was running 12. He threw out of those heavier sets. You present power personnel packages, and he pivoted to a lot of play action pass principles. I think that really threw Oklahoma State off, really exposed that three high defense. And once again, throwing it out there, six three high three down defense he played. I don't know if he called a better game, though, against any three high defense than the one he called against Oklahoma State. Talk about being exposed. They exposed him. Uh, Jatavian Sanders. Yes. yes. Green. I mean, Drew, I put yes. bad, if you don't mind, put those stats back up so people can see them. Uh, we've got all your stats. There's the there's the belt for Quinn Ewers if you're watching. Hey, uh, I'm gonna take a do it. Oh no, <laughs> he had to create some uh, some WWE in this thing, didn't he? Uh, hey, look at these receiving yards though, uh, Drew, as as we look at this. Eight catches, 105 yards for the junior tight end from Denton Ryan. Uh, just a whale of a game, made a couple of key third down catches, had a wide open touchdown. What'd you think of his game today? I, I was excited about his game. I, I mean, we've had a few weeks where, and especially when it comes to some blocking, where we'd say, you know what, if JT came back, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. Yep. Then you watch a game like this and you're like, yeah, this, 
That's why. That's nah, why. Nah, yep. <laughs> He's not coming back. <laughs> my bad. My bad, JT. You did your thing. But it just felt good to see him get featured in a game like this. Everybody's watching. And so all of our weapons got featured uh, this week. JT is a strong one, too. So I, I was excited for him to get featured like he did today. Hey, did, did your mark just say FAFO? Or, or, or did uh, yeah. Sarkeesian? It looks I, like I, he's trying to, to – Sark's trying to be gracious here. Green, uh, and I think your mark's getting the – you know what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, food, food, food unceremoniously. I tell you what, guys, I, we talked about this in the pregame uh, today, uh, Jerry and Rod and, and Drew. This has been a year that has galvanized the Texas fan base. Yes. I yeah. really believe that. Yeah. Um, we were out and about yesterday afternoon and in the morning. Texas fans are as excited right now as they've been in 15 years. And it's because their team is winning the right way. They're winning with exciting an exciting brand of ball sometimes, right? On offense, it, get, it can get exciting. But they also are feeling that, that renaissance of sorts where the program's building. Yes, this is a heavy senior and junior-laden team. There's going to be some issues next year that they're going to have to replace. But, man. Say that I, again, Bobby. Remind them. Say, well, my question to you, my, my question to you is, Drew, Okay, think think about where Texas is right now and what this even means for. I mean, I really believe that this is one of those galvanizing moments, and I've seen every fan base. You see fan bases across the country go through it. This seems to be the one, the year that Texas turns the corner. Not, I'm not going to say we're, you know what, but it feels like Texas has turned the corner. We're we know we, we're building. We're, we're making progress. And it's not just because we went from five and seven to eight and five to, to 12 and one. It's the way it's the foundation. It is the fact that Steve Sarkeesian says the, the guys he came in and he went five and seven with the guys that he inherited that stuck around and bought into the culture and led, they have laid the foundation. They are the proof here. Um, the, the confetti like this means something. There are kids who, who went to Clemson because they grew up rooting for Clemson. As, and they grew up in the state of Texas. Yeah. Now they can see this. We haven't seen this in a long, 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 long time. This means something today. Preach. I totally, <laughs> totally agree Preach. with that. I want to, I want to keep uh, continue on with that. That is hundred percent spot on, as usual from Drew. And think about this. This was the second time this year, really, truly, that I, the eyes of young prospects in America, unless they had a playoff game, which a lot of states already done. We're watching the Longhorns. The first time was when they beat Alabama. So think about the two times that the majority of kids, especially in that Southeast region, have watched Texas play. You're going to see more prospects want to take a look at Texas. That helps the Texas evaluation process because they're going to have more kids on campus to shake their hands, to sit down with them and their parents, get the height, weight, wingspan, all the stuff I love. But more kids are going to want to come see Texas. Because of this, the win over Bama and the win today, to Drew's point. Hey, I've got something that just got uh, quoted. We've talked about Brett Yormark and this sort of stuff. I want to I want to revel in the the Longhorns victory, but I just got a text. Yormark is looks utterly pissed. This is awesomeness on TV. The heckling is next level. So Texas fans not giving him any pause uh, at all. Uh, Jerry and Rod, uh, uh, Drew. 
Uh, guys, we've been talking in every single post game here this year, and Texas continues uh, to show that they've got it. But I've got to, I'm going to tip my hat to Steve Sarkeesian today mm-hmm. because when Jerry said earlier he was in his bag, whoo, he was in his bag, Rod Babers. What do you yeah. think, dude? I mean, just everything that you said, the two backs. And he, I mean, he didn't, the first six plays, I think, or seven plays for the Longhorns. The ball ended up outside the hash every single time. Yeah, they weren't going to try to run power like probably Oklahoma State. They would figure they would try to do for the start of the game. You know what I mean? They they were outside the hash with everything to start, and then a double reverse pass for a. T- I mean, come on, yeah. he was getting silly. <laughs> no, I I thought I, say, I I thought it was a brilliant game plan early on from his script. Um, we even brought this up on football theory, talking about it was like, oh man, 21 personnel. We take things starts dabbling into it. We don't know why, but I think he's going toward it more. And if something may break out Rizzo Club of State, uh Keelan Robinson has his 50-something yard touchdown run out of 21 late. But early on in that game, he broke out 21 and threw out of it. 12 personnel threw out of it. I think just for me as a football theorist, it's his coming out party kind of versus the three high, three down looks as well. We've talked about this, right? He's had a he had a run versus teams that ran the three high, three down. TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State. Uh, also the, ca- the case for Oklahoma State. This is the first time there. I didn't really see the offense hit a lull at all versus the three high, three down. And almost everything he threw out versus the three high, three down works. And it was mostly power sets. He's figured out. I say he found an antidote. Power sets, throwing out of power personnel packages, uh, making sure you're extreme in your formations. He did that with unbalanced. He did that. He threw in some empty sets, but he did that with compressed and condensed sets, too. I just thought, yeah, I mean, he he seems to have found his groove. And I don't know if he's ever been better as a head coach and play caller than he is right now. He, he I, ran. I mean, he, got, he, I, I, he got, go ahead, Drew. I just think as the season went on and as he had injuries he, and had to pivot and had a backup quarterback, he was forced to dig in his bag. He was forced to. We've run different. We we he has shown so much offense. If you had to go back and scale and, and just profile all of just what he's done this year, and Rod, I know you you probably have tabs on all of it. Imagine spending the next thirty days preparing to play this team, and you have no clue what they're going to come out with because they've literally done everything with the backup quarterback, with multiple running backs, multiple sets. There's games where the tight end disappears. There's games where the tight end kills you. You don't know what you're going to get. It just when he says he's been proud of being able to win in multiple ways. Mind you, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. It, it get this this team is is I mean this is as this is as versatile as as we've had on something. We don't know what to lean on, and it doesn't matter who the back is. It doesn't matter who it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. But the way that we execute and have executed throughout the season. Uh, you got to give Stark, Sark, Sark is, Sark is credit for that. Uh, and to Drew's point, I want to get Rod and Drew's thoughts on this. He had to battle through a lot of injuries as a play caller and a schemer this year uh, of offense, right? I mean, offensive line, your center goes out. Second drive against OU, right? He's out. JT Sanders hobbles, misses a game, right? All, obviously, uh, center backs are not healthy really all year. Jonathan Brooks, obviously, late in the year. Offensive line didn't have the continuity they had a year ago while working in a new starter at right guard. Uh, Kelvin Banks was limping the entire Oklahoma game. I was sitting there and watching it. I was texting people. He had to battle through a lot of injuries this year, and I didn't even mention the quarterback missing two games. Uh, so he had injuries at almost every position 
this season except wide receiver. He didn't complain, Jerry. Nope. He never made a single excuse. Never made a single excuse. Yep. Didn't blink. Yeah, I, and it was truly next man up. It helps when you have a, a deep roster, though, guys. Exactly. That's where, <laughs> I mean, we focus – I mean, Jerry and I, you, you, you guys know this, Drew and Rod. We focus heavily on recruiting, portal, that sort of stuff. You got to admit, when, for example, Derek Williams comes in as a true freshman, Anthony Hill – with a fump, with a forced fumble, by the way. Yeah. What an I mean, come on. That's yeah. a five-star play, guys. Let's yeah. be yeah. let's be fair. That's why that's why he's a five-star. Guys like that come in. CJ Baxter with a man run, I thought. And that touchdown run, that was all man to get through that last yeah. tackle. Yeah. Uh, they just had more Jonathan Brooks goes down, Jerry. You, we, we, you know, that. How about and oh, I, I gotta say this. We mentioned this. We got we've had over a thousand people join us. Since we opened, guys. So I want to say this: Jonathan Brooks in the victory formation, awesome. You Classic. know, Classic. I, yeah, Rod and Drew, you guys Classic. have been on that field, That's and you've had friends that have been injured in games like this and couldn't participate. It's, it's a testament. It's a testament, Bobby, to how close the team is, um, and, and Sark recognizing how close they are. And there are certain guys. I mean, think about think about that sweat touchdown, right? Go go watch the sideline. You saw the sideline? It was a party, it's dude. Still, it's still a game. It's still a game. They're like, blah, blah, blah. to hell with the game. Our, our, dog, our best player on the team just scored a touchdown, receiving touchdown, right. in the Heisman. And they, you're right. There was a party on the sideline. That, 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 that They were transported at that moment. Right? That, that right. They were they were transported back to the locker room in that moment, right? Even though they were in front of millions of people and big title game, it didn't matter about all that. All that mattered was, hey man, our brother, our brother had a great moment, and we want to celebrate him, and we want him, we want we want to celebrate him. We want, and it's I, I'm with you, Drew. You, you you've been in that situation before. It's touching. It really is, and that I think start going above and beyond, and and having that you know that showing that gesture. To put Jay Brooks out there, it's him recognizing how close they're. He's like, "No, man, this guy in the locker room. Oh man, y'all have no idea. He's a he's a favorite. People love this guy. I'm gonna give him his moment so the players can also celebrate that. I think he know this. This guy knows he knows how close his team is, and he knows the different um, the different strands that bind this team, right? Even if they're not on the field playing, he recognized. No, no, no. He's one of those guys. Guy. He's a glue guy. This is one of the reasons that we are our culture is as strong as it is. We gotta show him love in this moment. Uh Sarkis, he's also in his bag that way, too, guys. He's also he's in his oh, he's incredibly intentional. He's incredibly that, intentional. That that's why the culture yes. is anchored in the way it is. It's because of the person who who's who's driving it. He shows up vulnerable every day. He's okay with being vulnerable and be talking about his past. Like these guys are learning what it's like to be imperfect and rebound and respond from that. And Jonathan Brooks was a core. I mean, we would not be here without Jonathan Brooks. Now, as much talent as we have on this team and guys who have stepped up and stepped in, there's a short list of guys we would not be here without, and he is absolutely one of them. I mean, he carried us when we were trying to work through, I mean, Quinn's injury. I mean, Jonathan Brooks carried us. The, The Alabama game, finishing that drive, those were not simple yards. We were running on third and longs because we knew they were anticipating pass. Brooks was fighting for those yards. But I mean, I can go down through the plays. The fumble in the Alabama game, he goes and recovers. This guy was oh. a part of this journey. Yeah. He was a part of this journey this year. 
He deserves to have all of those fans who hung around at the end of this game to celebrate. He deserved to be a part of that celebration. Hey, and to Drew's point about the guys who stuck around when times were tough, if you could, if you took one player that said that guy could have hit the portal and gone and started, it was Jonathan Brooks. <laughs> yep. He had two running backs in the NFL ahead of him. He could have transferred the U of H two years ago and rushed been a 1,500-yard rusher for that. And no one would have judged him for it. He would nope. have been hopping in the portal because of competition. It's like, dude, we know you're not going to play. Right. I, have, I might say the same thing about Jay Lou. The culture that Drew's talking about, guys. Woo! Listen to what Rod, Rod B said. I could have said the same thing about Jaden Blue today. I really would, man. He, he's I not really you're, you're not wrong. I tell you what, Jaden Blue uh, had a, a terrific last half of the season, no doubt. But I will say this: my unsung guy today, Keelan Robinson. Hey! Yes, yes, <laughs> what do you yes, think yes, about yes, his yes. performance, Matt? If you don't mind, yes. put up the stats again. Let's look at Keelan Robinson's stats hey. in the Big Twelve Championship game. He is just a touchdown maker. Remember yeah. when we were talking in the preseason? Like once out of every ten touches, he scores a touchdown. Four rushes, two touchdowns. Explosive. He also had how many catches did he have today, Matt? Can you go down on that and ro roll down down that? Did he have any? I can't remember. He had a yes. No, he did. Yeah, two catches, yeah. twenty yards, six on, long man. of sixteen. I remember when we all thought he couldn't catch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Drew. Drew, he. I'll admit, at one point, he had not proven that he could catch the ball he had not down the field. Right, he had only had targets like at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. That's that's called development. Because I will admit, he was DJ Monroe at one point. Remember uh, DJ Monroe? You know, oh, yes, yes. He had the same yes. kind of speed, same yep. kind of body type, right? Same kind of skill set, but he was never developed into being a guy that could catch the football down the field and be a threat that way, or be a threat running in between the tackles. That's lack of development. This guy came to Texas basically as DJ Monroe. And now he's leaving as a much better player, a guy that can be a multiple versatile threat, got a shot to make a roster in the league because yeah. of it potentially. Yeah. Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy said, echoed that exact sentiment to a friend of mine about Keelan Robinson. Yeah. He said, you know what? He's a boutique player in the NFL. That's what he is. Third down back, do some punt and kick return, possibly do some, uh, definitely Cover be a kick. gunner. Gunner. Yeah. Yep. All those things, and but man, come on! For his final year to go, our final game to go out uh, with two touchdowns, that tightrope down the sideline, out of that two back personnel that you like so much, Rod, and have been talking about. You yeah. know, it, it, even though they passed out of that, Rod, they ran out effectively out of it too. Yes, they did. It was a tremendous. Uh, that may be the three high killer. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, no, maybe Stark is tweaked and massaged it enough that now he knows look it's just like everybody solves things they they solve the run and shoot and then they have to come up with they have to come up yeah. with the veer and shoot then they solve the veer and shoot and they have to come up with something else yeah uh, maybe steve sarkeesian because he's been having to play against this for exactly. three years Dude, 20 times over the last maybe a better coach 
seriously, if you're if you're if you're if you're thinking about this from a macro perspective, right? Football theory, and you're look because right, the, the three high defense is taking away. Georgia has their own version of the three high now. Georgia, right. Georgia, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's taking a little bit of it. There are teams from around the NFL, court defensive coordinators. There are coordinators from around Power Five tools that go to Ames, Iowa, just to talk to John Haycock to study the three high. But if any coordinator around the country has seen it as much as Steve Sarkeesian has seen it, honestly, I, I and have been as successful as he's been recently against it. Um, honestly, I, I don't think I don't think I can find that guy. So I think you will be looking at a lot of teams around the country who are going to be looking at his examples of what he's done, his antidotes for the three high, and probably trying to steal some of Sark's concepts versus it. No question. You got to have right. a personnel though. Yeah, yes, you gotta have you gotta have Quinn Ewers back there flicking the pill. But the philosophy still works. The philosophy, you're out, absolutely and right. And I've detailed several times. The philosophy Good. is the philosophy. Yes. I think he figures that right. out at least. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I love it. Uh, Quinn Ewers played a whale of a game, guys. If you're just now yeah. joining us, uh, welcome into the post game show uh, of On Texas Football, uh, InsideTexas.com. Uh, we want to th- say thank you to Flight, our season long sponsor. Uh, this year, that's the next generation of light beer from America's oldest brewery, brewery Yingling. Also, we appreciate Faust Distributing uh, and their family for contributing to the post-game show here as well. Uh, guys, I want to run through some Super Chats real quick because I think it's fair to say some Longhorn fans are excited. Uh, I'm going to save a couple of the questions uh, that are that are Super Chats till later. William Niche, Big 12 champions, hook them. Thunderpup, congratulations to the Longhorns. Well-deserved and so proud of you. Oh, here's the one I like. Let's go from overseas. Sark outcoached Gundy, <laughs> Gundy from Shannon Hansen, And he did, by the way. Yeah, he, did. he did. And he Gundy did. came out prepared in the red zone in his short yardage. I thought he did a good job to try to get back, but he just didn't have the firepower, guys. Nope. Uh, James, James Lowry, much respect to Sark to put Brooks in for victory formation. That's why players love to play for him. Culture right. is in a great place uh, edmund lee thank you for the super chat guys uh big 12 championship 12 and one awesome game plans bite us your mark great defense and <laughs> offense go i don't even know what that means oh inside texas, on, texas, on texas, texas football. Football. Yeah. more beer flight please your reporting has been great hook them horns uh thank you so much uh exactly. and here's a couple more here uh, Britt rasco i think gundy watches otf because y'all talked all week about how we need to all we need to do is run against their weak <laughs> run defense. Yeah, y'all psyched Gundy out. Do it to start it off. Uh, just look. Uh, here's here's one from Major Alexander. Damn it, Rod, you're the goat. That means greatest of all time for the older yeah, people that yeah. are busy uh, with us here I today. That. Yes. Look, we have a number of things we, we're going to end up going to going and talking over. But I want to say say thank y'all for all. all thank all of y'all for joining us uh, in this post game show. I think the next thing we got to talk about is maybe the defense. Yeah. Offensive player of the game, without question, uh, is, is is Quinn Ewers. It's amazing. Casey Sanders, Adnan Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, the running backs, they all had good games, though, right? Um, yeah. So it wasn't just a single player on offense. On defense, was there a player of the game or was it team defense? I mean, it looked to me – you know, I, you could you could look a couple different ways on this. Anthony Hill leading the team with tackles. Rod or Drew, Jerry, y'all have a, a thought on defensive player of the game, or do you think it was team defense as well? That's a good one. I, I personally have a play and a player that 
honestly, I can't I can't tell you. I've had many positive things to say over the years outside of he's a hard worker, great athlete, runs his, <laughs> works his tail off, but his awareness and there's certain things in other situations just they don't peak at the right times. However, today, at a time where I felt we needed a stop as they were driving, he came up with a hell of an interception that I think saved us from having to go through a, down, a, down another road today. It just eliminated that as an option. We went back and scored, and we kept running. Rolling. Keaton Crawford, man. Hey, I, I think he did have a game-changing play. Texas is up 21-7, but Oklahoma State had driven the link. They were the moving. And it's the previous one, and they were driving again. I, I, I will say this, though. The one that I would have gone with, overall player of the game. I, I agree with Drew. That may have been the, the play, play of the game, the yeah. turning point of the game, Drew. I might say Byron Murphy. He had – I mean, Jerry mentioned this in the watch with us. His pressure up the middle mm-hmm. on defense was making Bowman throw off his back foot. And Bowman doesn't have the strongest arm already. No. And we like in that on that interception by Keaton Crawford, Drew Byron Murphy is the one that got the pass rush. I, you know, and then you can look at the defensive line as a whole. Ollie Gordon, non factor, non factor, bro. Best running back in the country, non factor in the passing game, potentially. I love our defense. <laughs> Drew, Drew's just giddy over the defense. Hey, what do you think they did on defense, Rod, uh, to kind of corral him or? Were they just whipping them up front or what? I, I don't think they did anything special. I don't think they made any special plans, Drew, for football. They just like, we're we're better at what we do than you guys are better at what y'all do. All right. We're better at what we do. So we're just gonna see what we do. And they did, they they shut that down. And I was at Oklahoma State, you point this out, Bobby. People didn't recognize they throw a lot on early downs. They're 50 50 pretty yeah. much throwing on first and second down. Yeah. They came out throwing the football early against Texas. No surprise. And I thought, you know, they thought they would be have more success throwing the football against Texas. They had some success, but Texas is not as leaky as it once was in the secondary. They've gotten better in coverage in the secondary. They've gotten better at making plays in the secondary. They're, they're still not perfect. We're not talking about, you know, the uh, an elite uh, pass defense. But if you're going to think you can beat Texas solely on uh, uh, exploiting their pass defense, then you're wrong. You want to find other ways to do it. That's part of it. But that ain't just that, that ain't the sole path to victory against Texas. Yeah. I got to say this. The insertion of Manny Muhammad into the starting lineup mm-hmm. may have changed the Texas pass defense. They are challenging more now Sticky. than they have all season long. And I think he allows them to do that more than just about any other cornerback they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at it. Uh, I do want to mention this. And in, in, well, the Alabama-Georgia game is getting ready to come on. We need to give people an update of where things sit right now. Yeah. Uh, in the college football playoff. Let's Jerry, take take everybody through what's happening. Georgia and Alabama are yeah. at the coin toss right now. Take everybody through the permutations as you see them and as we think. Most yeah. of college football sees it right now. Yeah, by the way, Alabama and Georgia just ran out from under the tunnels, and boy, does this look like a collision that's about to happen on a football field. <laughs> Those are some big dudes about to start hitting each other. Um, look, this is personal for Nick because Kirby's now the best program in America, and some people are saying he owns St. Nick now. Ah, what's going to happen? Uh, let's see what happens today, but here's where it's at. 
Oh, Alabama, Georgia about to kick off coming back from a commercial. Let's let's save them to last. Obviously, the number one thing for Texas is the last game tonight. That is Florida State and Louisville. Will Florida State go with their third-string quarterback? Eh, a lot of people think that's what's going to happen. We'll see. It was supposed to be rainy for that game. Looks like the weather that some of that rain came through earlier dissipated, so should have good weather, which I think favors Louisville in this game. Um, so we have that game. That is the game. Texas fans need to cheer for Louisville like it's Texas 2.0. That is Texas 2.0 for them. They need a Louisville win. Uh, if Louisville beats Texas, I think Texas is in the playoff. Um, if FSU wins, and I agree with Joel Cladons, and I'm not even talking about Michigan and Iowa. Come on. Uh, uh, Harbaugh's going to make a statement. He's going to pound these guys if he can. Uh, he wants to shove it up the Big Tens. Um, so let's get to Alabama, Georgia. If Alabama were to beat Georgia, Joel Klatt had a very interesting point. In the event that FSU wins, he thinks, and I tend to maybe agree with him after thinking about this, that Alabama would pull Texas with them into the college football playoff because Texas has the head-to-head win. That would mean Georgia, with one loss in their last, what, 30 games, is left out of the college football playoff. Oh, they weren't a conference wow. champion. And that means an undefeated FSU would be left out in that scenario. That is where, Rod, you said you wanted chaos. That's that would nasty. be the chaos. Yeah, and that would help. Like I said, Captain I Chaos helps into the Alabama-Georgia game. That's bold. That's a bold uh, They are saying they've now labeled him uh, Tate uh, Rodemaker, the backup quarterback. Or, oh, even further. Very doubtful. <laughs> they wow. went from doubtful to Extremely. very doubtful. Don't I could be wrong, but that doubtful. means he's probably out. He's out. He's out. <laughs> uh, his dad, who is a high school football coach, also confirmed Rodemaker did have a concussion last yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, concussion yeah. protocol, guys, is typically an entire eight-day period. Yeah, so you ain't practice, basically what that means. You didn't practice yeah, all week. And, it, and it's, been, it's only been seven days. Yeah. Right. So it ain't eight days. Day eight ain't happened yet. And it won't happen. Uh, so the Longhorn fans are going to be glued to their TVs. Hopefully you're watching this while watching uh, games if you want to. Uh, we've got more to talk about here on the postgame show brought to you by Flight and uh, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. Uh, guys, I, I'm thinking of this game and some things I, I no, kind of notated. I really did not like the targeting call on Derek Williams. I thought that was he, – he's now if Texas does go to the college football playoff, you realize yeah. he's out for the first half? Yeah, for now, the best so, here's the deal. so that Texas can challenge that with the Big 12 and NCAA. But oftentimes it doesn't get reversed. So in the event that they can say, okay, that was not a good call, they could obviously reverse that targeting call and then he'd be eligible to play. So Texas can take this to the Big 12 and the NCAA uh, from what I understand to see if they can get that call reversed. But if the call stands – He's out for the first half of the next Texas game. And the problem with that is, by the letter of the law, I do believe it is it targeting. It was. The, the spirit, that's not the spirit of the rule, though. That's not, that was not the spirit of the rule. He was going in for a block, and it was barely you know, him grazing ahead. So maybe they can re rethink that, as Jerry said, when it, it's appealed. But by the letter of the law, helmet did go to helmet. And he All right, uh, a lot of people are rejoining us here, uh, or actually joining us. We've got over 2,000 people online simultaneously right now listening and watching uh, to this show. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Drew Kelson, Rod Babers, and Jerry Hamilton. 
Uh, guys, uh, 12 and 1. 12 hmm. and 1. I predicted 10 and 2 preseason. What'd you predict, Rod? What, what did everybody else predict? 10 and 2, Big 12 champs. So. Jerry, you're you're muted, buddy. I was ten and two as well, and we let Drew go last. He got closest. I, 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 I was twelve and zero, Big Twelve champs. Drew <laughs> Kelson, oh, bringing it large. You know, Drew. Drew by the I, way, I enjoy your hat game today. <laughs> I enjoy your hat game again. You you come with the strong hat game. I'm the one that wears them every single time, but I think you got the strongest hat game of the group, dude. Um, hey, in all seriousness, we look back at this season now. And Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers has developed, guys. Now he's got a pro NFL decision looming, like, immediately, right? Um, what What are y'all's thoughts on this? I mean, you know, I didn't expect them to necessarily win this way in a Big 12 championship. I didn't necessarily expect Quinn Ewers – like, I felt like he played so much better today outside the pocket, extending plays a little bit. Those, all those little things add up to me thinking that this is going to be a team that is just now coming into its own. In these last two games, they're just now hitting stride, especially I, I just, on offense. You know, I, I agree with that. And here's the, the I think the biggest indicator of that red zone offense today. Texas has sucked in red zone offense no matter who they played, no, no matter the opponent, how good or bad they are, and no matter how hot they are on offense, even against Tech, against Tech, they had the best, one of the best games they played all year long. The, all three phases scoring. Texas was just hot, killing Texas Tech. Red zone offense, ah, dud once again. Red zone offense in this game, that was a bit of a, a shock to me offensively. If Texas found their stride in the red zone, guys, hell, they've been the number one team in the country if not for red zone offense or lack yeah. of versus Oklahoma, yeah. that may have been the only thing holding this team back from reaching their true potential is how they perform in the red zone. A crucial, a crucial factor in, in, in overall productivity. Oh. But they were really good in the red zone, man. God, I, you know, let's take away from, I'm just going through these stats and one just utterly shocked me. Guys, look at time of possession. Unbelievable. Possession. Holy cow. 40 minutes for Texas. Compared to just 1954 for oh, doubling up a Mike Gundy team that likes to hold the ball. Yeah. I mean, Texas just, uh, I mean, 600 yards of total offense. Come on. Uh, the other thing I would say here is this third down number. At one point in the game, Oklahoma State was three of five on third downs, hmm. they end three of 10. Texas made some second half adjustments. And Oklahoma State went 0 for 5 on third down in the second half. That's good coaching for P PK. They changed up their – clearly changed up their, their scheme, et cetera. Uh, and that's that's what happened with the Longhorns. Uh, any, anything else that stand out here with you guys on uh, on these stat lines? One thing, ABC is now reporting Tate Rodemaker out tonight. Out. Okay. So go ahead, Drew. No, no. Speaking of time of possession, I remember that you know, we, we've had some time of possession. Bobby, I don't I know. I think you did a write up on it. What game was that? Because you texted us about it. You went through every play and you're like, how many seconds did we have left on the clock? We should have yes. been running the clock <laughs> today. I feel like third quarter. Oh, he was sitting on it. He was sitting like in which you expect that with the lead. But. It's just it's just a couple plays away for a team to come back, especially a team coming out at halftime. That is a time where they they may strike. 
the fact that we tried to control the ball at that point in the game, they really couldn't get going. And then especially when you think they went 0 for 5 on third down to finish the game, it just, yeah, the game was over. I, I'm looking at this, and I think that, you know, my my take on it, Drew and, and Rod and Jerry, they literally went from start to finish, and they they just executed on offense. And, Drew, to your point, talking about how single plays can turn a game, Texas is up 21-7, and, and uh, 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 Quinn threw that pick, mm-hmm. right? Or 20 – no, they were up 28. 28. 28. But Quinn threw that pick, and all of a sudden it's a two-score game again, right? And te- and Burt Auburn missed the field goal before halftime. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like Texas they, – they just were I, – I go back to that Jaden Blue catch where he caught it on his hip, and, and yeah. Quinn got flushed. That was a third and ten. Uh, they just kept the ball. They played keep away. 40 yeah. minutes of possession – is beyond ridiculous. I mean, when's the last time anybody's had 40 minutes of possession against Texas? Can anybody remember that? We converted a second and 18. I, <laughs> I mean, we – goes back to Sark being in his bag. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, let's let's talk a little bit more uh, uh, about some things. Uh, oh, wow. I love <laughs> oh, Get petty. Get petty. We were, this is why people don't like us to be good. Our University yeah. of Texas president Jay Hartzell, if y'all don't know who that is, uh, on here uh, says, "Really proud of Quinn and quote his completion percentage." <laughs> Hello, Boo. Look, 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 you know what that is? Bo Nix completed that many passes every Pac-12 game. There it is. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, about Quinn though, guys, uh, it's so weird, like the, the roller coaster he's on right now because. You know, as you guys were uh, reported, you know, a few weeks ago, it looks like the odds were he's going to end up coming back to Texas based on the injury and then, you know, how he's performed this year. And then some of the scouts heard, I heard Mel Kuyper say, I think he's coming back to school to work on some things. And then he has one of the greatest performances in the history of Big 12 football, passing the football in the Big 12 title game. And by Texas, my man Alex Lowe. Alex Lowe does a great job. He said Quinn Uris has now thrown for the most yards by any Texas quarterback versus a Big 12 opponent in the history of, 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 of the Big 12 and Texas being uh, obviously uh, together. It's it's weird. Now he actually, if he has another big game like this, not saying he will because that's obviously transcendent and that's a that's a hell of an outlier. But if he does trend in the right way in the college football playoff, he may have another – he may have to flip his decision again. Because that performance right there, I guarantee, opened a lot of eyes and, and a lot of scouts thought to themselves, uh, maybe he's not as far from NFL ready as we thought. And if you have another great performance like that, trust me, he may be trending the right way. After watching guys like Bo Nix, after watching some of the other great quarterbacks around the country, they'll start to do the comparison models and they'll go, well, still a first-round talent, just not top ten. Well, Hey, hey, by the way, Georgia just went down the field on Alabama like they were playing scout team. Dang. Yes, okay. they did. Hey, I want to say this real quick. Uh, you mentioned Quinn Ewers and his decision. One of the things I'm hearing that has played a factor in his decision thus far to return, Rod and Jerry, has been the number of starts. The success okay. ratio of quarterbacks that have 25 or more starts coming out of college versus those that have fewer than 25 – Okay. is like three to one. Yeah. And he wants a long-term career, not just 
a five-year career or seven-year. He wants that long-term situation. And the in based on what I'm hearing, they've done some comparisons behind the scene. His his group, and they are saying that 25 or more starts and the numbers of success that you have just yeah. goes up and up. And I think he's at 21 starts now in his Texas career. And he has the right coach. Yes. <laughs> That's going to develop. He can grow. He still can grow. There's certain places he can go, and this is what he'll this is what we'll get. But I'm I'm excited to see where where Sark can take him going into next year because next year we'll see what happens in the portal we'll see what happens in recruiting but either way it's going to be a new bunch it's going to be a new crop of guys he's going to have to to get adjusted to and going to have to prove that he can connect with in the off season and, and be productive with so um, yeah a big development year for him but also an opportunity to make a lot of money Jerry and I uh, guys by the way Rod and Drew. We were uh, we were hanging out together on Friday. We got some very positive news uh, that Texas expects to do very very well this year in the portal. Yes, nice. very very well. I believe that oh, numerous positions well, after we'll this. Everything, yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah. We'll see if everything plays out. But I'm telling you, that's what they're saying right now. All right, we're going to get to some questions and some comments uh, and get going on that. Uh, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, Let's go, Major Alexander. Look at that rushing start for the leading rusher in college football. Yep, not so much today, Ollie no. Gordon. Thanks for the uh, uh, super Thank chat you. there, Major Alexander. Socrates. <laughs> Socrates with this one, guys. <laughs> the secret of change is to focus all your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building them new. Amen. Football facility. Stuff. I like that. <laughs> Man, let me write that down. This is from Justin Wales. Please make the post game show long enough to us to get back to Austin in from Arlington. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to listen all the way. Justin, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, Kyle Voshka, uh, hats off to the OTF crew. Y'all were the mm. backbone of this championship team. Hook them. I don't think we were the backbone, maybe the no. cheerleader. Rod was, exactly. Rod was lifting me up. What do they call that when they do the cheerleading up? Hey, I'm cool with being cheerleaders, man. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'm all Charlie, about it, baby. Charlie 990 says, Alan Bowman outscored 71 by tw to 21 by Texas since he went horns down with three minutes uh, left when he was at Tech. <laughs> Y'all remember that. Hook them, roll tide, oh, and go cards from Charlie. Rod, Texas was good in the two-minute drills. Yes, they what do you were. think about that one? Let's, let's stop on that one and, and talk yeah. about that. Well, they got the turnover, right? Isn't that when they got the turnover in the two-minute? Yep. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Hill yeah. popped the ball loose. And I want to say that may be in the second or third turnover they've gotten in two-minute recently. So they, they're, they're, they're better in two-minute than they used to be. And, 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 Rob, and, and, Rob, before you keep rolling, remember the beginning of the season when Sark was like, we're not getting enough turnovers. We're playing great defense, but we're not turning over the ball. We're not ripping it. We need to focus on it. We need to make yep. our points of focus. And we've seen it on the back half of the season. Totally agree. And I'm, I'm glad you seen it from the young guys, right? You seen it from young bucks like Malik Muhammad and you seen it from young bucks like Anthony Hill to your point, Drew. So, yeah, I mean, they were much better in two-minute drill. I'll give Anthony Hill, if you want to give a player, a defensive player of the game, I mean, he probably is as deserving of it as any of those guys that we mentioned considering, I mean, his stat line, not only leading tackle, I believe he had the forced fumble, um, I believe he had tackle for loss. I mean, he he loaded up the stat sheet for the young buck today. I mean, he's, he's no longer playing like a freshman. He's He's now playing like one of your frontline veteran guys. Uh, you know, we talked about in the preseason, guys, and Rod and Drew, y'all have been around great players. Not that y'all weren't good yourself, but, I mean, truly 
You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Great awesome. players. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> yeah. to help with those guys off the field, even if they don't know the plays right, all that other stuff. Put them out there. At a certain level, it's about that dude over there is better than you. <laughs> and that doesn't mean it always works out that way and there's not ups and downs along the way, yeah. which we've seen some of this year. Mm-hmm. But, guys. As a linebacker, once you learn to fit the run – like take on blocks and fit the run. You know where to be in the run game. With that kind of talent, everything else is just getting to the ball and making plays. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just once you learn how to get to the ball first, because you have the talent to get there first. Once you learn how to get the ball first, anything is literally possible at that point. And at the point of, on, on, with Anthony Hill at the point of contact when he's making the tackle, that's possible every time. Every tackle he makes, a fumble can occur. Uh, you can dislodge a ball. Somebody you can knock someone out of a game because he's that physical, and mm-hmm. we don't want to hurt people. But that's part of the game. Yeah. So I mean, when he when he's in the game, he is impacting it on every play that he's in. I just I I, I think that him, Manny Muhammad, Derek Jeffrey. Williams, guys. We saw Sadir Mitchell today, by the way, Jerry. Yeah, uh, I know you watched the offensive line, offensive line, and defensive line rotation. Some of the young guys played in the fourth quarter on both sides. Uh, you see anything of those guys? Cam Williams c- continues to blot out the sun when they run right. I know that much. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Him and Cole Hudson, uh, they, they uh, a second-team offensive line now. They're getting work done. Uh, there is no doubt they're getting work done. By the way, I want to say something that we just have so much to talk about. It'll be interesting with PFF grades or whatever come out. This may have been Kelvin Banks' best game in the run game. Yeah. By the way, uh, it was good to see Sadir in. Obviously, Jare Bledsoe not suited out today. Uh, he practiced this week, so we don't. We, we'll have to wait for Sark on uh, why he wasn't dressed out. If anybody even asked today, I think there's so many other questions people are going to ask Sark. Uh, but yeah, I think. Look, I mean, Sadir is a guy who's matured from a practice perspective the last half of the year. Uh, from everything I was told, he's maturing in the day-to-day practice part of this uh, development which I think is tough for some of these guys, even as an early enrollee. That guy used to just bully everybody. Mm-hmm. He's now got to learn to be a defensive lineman, play with technique. How Are you going to have a pass rush move over the uh, over the nose? Or how much are do you – how good do you yeah. want to be in this game? It's up to you. Bo Davis will get you there, but you have to show Bo how good you want to be, right, guys? I mean, that's part of it. Bo will get you where you want to be, but you have to show him at some point. And it has to be more maturity on a day-to-day basis with Bo Davis. And once he gets you to that point, he'll start ascending you as a player. And it's just taken him a while to kind of get to that point midway through the season. I heard practices were going better, more consistent with Bo. So it was good to see him get out on the field today. Hey, another another piece for you guys. We were talking about so much how Sark was in his bag. Tavondre Sweat, touchdown pass. And, and I'm, I'm kind of re- regurgitating and re- Resaying some of the things we talked about early in this as we've added, you know, 1,500 more people on this chat. Tavondre Sweat touchdown pass. JT Sanders into round of sorts, mm-hmm. right, on fourth and one. Oh, yeah. They were just – he was in his bag all game yeah. long. I mean, Quinn – and then to, on top of it all, Quinn starts coming out and slinging and finding guys over the middle on second and third reads. Where did that come from? That's the first time all year where he's – I mean, I saw him make five or six of those throws today, late to A.D. Mitchell, late to Jatavian Sanders. But he came off his first, second read to get to those guys. 
Rod, you're, you're shaking your head and agreeing. Yeah. Where did that come from? Because have we seen that this year from Quinn? Because I that, that that is really that has been with debate the, the best uh, like if you debate about his skill set has been whether he can get to his second, third read in the progression, whether he can go deep into his progression. And that's when usually he gets erratic, holds on to the football a little too long, makes bad decisions. He's a first read, first window quarterback. Nothing wrong with that. That's why Sark usually designs up play, schemes open guys, so he can go easily to his first read. What you know about Quinn is he'll be accurate. He'll have the right amount of touch on the football, and he can make almost any throw. So you can scheme open any throw, any throw on the football field. Right, any route, and as long as you get protection, he can make the throw. He can make it accurately. He'll put the ball on the money, ball placement. Boom! Like I just, I mean, he's one of those guys, right? He's got that special X Man ability. The problem is, if you take away his first read, force him to hold on to the football, go through progressions, that's when he becomes erratic. That's when usually he makes bad decisions. That's when his accuracy uh, falls off. That's when his pocket presence, poise, falls off a little bit. In this game, as you point out, Bobby, and maybe Sark has heard all these scouting reports and maybe he's trying to uplift his quarterback, right, so he can play at the next level and starting to showcase some of those things. But We definitely saw Quinn go deeper into progressions. Now, still, I think early on during the script, he was hitting first read, first window throws, which he's great at. Doesn't mean you're not an NFL quarterback if that's the case. But that's why he was coming back to school to showcase that he could be a quarterback that can drop back, straight drop back, and then go to a second, third read in a progression and do it successfully and effectively and do it quickly. Right. That's, the, that's why he struggles in the red zone, guys. In the red zone, everything shrinks. Right. All, you, all your space is restricted and your processing has to be even quicker. So if a guy doesn't go through progressions um, very well and you put him in a red zone to go through progressions, what's going to happen? It's going to be even worse going through progressions. Right. The windows shrink. So a first read, first window thrower, he's going to have trouble getting to that first read because they're going to be smaller windows and they can take away a first read easier in the red zone. That's why red zone passing game struggles a little bit. But if he can get deeper into progressions and process quicker, you're talking about no limit to what Quinn's ceiling could be potentially. I uh, go ahead, Jerry, your your mute, your mute buttons on, Jerry. Listening to Craig Way, seeing if we're going to start any injury updates. Um, but uh, look, in this game in particular, we talked about it on the watch with us. Oklahoma State outside Colin Oliver was struggling to get pressure. There Earlier, other teams Texas played, when they got pressure, they would get Quinn to the ground. Oklahoma State wouldn't get enough pressure to get Quinn to the ground. And if you don't, got, if you don't have that type of pressure on Quinn, even though I think it's his feet that are going to have to get quicker from year two to year three with the progressions, I think it starts with the feet and goes from there. Um, if they don't, they didn't have enough pressure on him to force that or get him to the ground. So he had time to adjust and go yeah. through those progressions. Right. He, he, I don't think he necessarily sped up today, but Oklahoma state didn't have enough pressure. They couldn't going to apply enough pressure to get him to the ground today. All right. I want to read some of these super chats guys, but then I'm going to come back and ask you about another player. Jaden Blue and his effort today, because I think he was instrumental uh, in the game. He added a spark coming out of the backfield with his speed. But let's go down and do some super, uh, super chats here uh, from Michael Williams. Awesome ride with on Texas football. Fingers crossed we get to extend to the college football playoff. I agree. In my opinion, the Derek Williams targeting call was BS. Do you agree? 
Hate he will have to miss a half in the next game. I agree with you. Some other guys on here said, ah, by the letter of the law, they may be right, Michael. Uh, engaging life's moments. This game was everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> uh, if you've heard of that movie, it's a good movie. Uh, Great good movie. Engaging life moments. Brett <laughs> Rasco says, all hail, University of Louisville. Let's all sing together now. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is from Harry Orange Wookie. Brooks in on the last play while we were in victory formation had me cutting onions. 12 <laughs> wins, Sark, not seven wins, Sark, guys. Louisville over FSU hashtag. Uh, I tell you what, uh, we yeah. talked about the, the element of uh, Jonathan Brooks coming in, Harry Orange, and we really we agree with you. The Sark is doing a masterful job uh, behind the scenes with the culture of the team. Justin Rosenthal, Rod and Drew, who stood out to you the most on defense today outside the interior DL? Let's get to that question, and then we'll talk about Jaden Blue. Rod and Drew, anybody outside the interior DL? Y'all mentioned Anthony Hill, Keaton Crawford, anybody else? Yeah, Malik Muhammad. I mean, we – they all – those guys stood out. Those guys stood out. It's just – when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And it's just, it's crazy because they're they're young, right? Like when you think back on the game, players who it was a big play or a play where they were surround the ball, you've been seeing Malik Muhammad around the ball, Anthony Hills around the ball. And there are guys who make tackles and there are guys who are just around the ball. It's, there's a difference there. They're they have ball awareness. Mm -hmm. Derek Johnson had ball awareness. Yep. He knew if he got close enough, he was strong enough, big enough, like he could swing and swipe at the ball. It's knowing where the ball is. It's even when the ball is in the air as a receiver. I mean, as, as a defender, knowing where the ball is, knowing it, there's, there's an instinct, there's just an instinct that comes with it that these guys just, I, I get excited about what they're, what they're going to continue to develop to do. And yeah, th those are the guys that just jumped out off the screen to me. Rod, yeah. anybody for you? Uh, I mean, they're, they're playing a great brand of team defense. They really are. Uh, if I go to another guy that, uh, maybe jumped off uh, the screen to me. I talked about Anthony Hill, um, and I, I know they were also picking on uh, Jaron Thompson too. I, I'll throw this out there. I'm not talking about how somebody played uh, great, but I know people have been uh, bringing up my man Jaday Barron lately because they went after him a little bit in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they went formation into the boundary a lot, uh, which for Texas, their nickel usually plays field side all the time. They don't travel their nickel. Puts him into basically playing a deep safety 
a lot of the time. Formation boundary allows them to attack the safeties. I also attack a safety with that number two receiver on that boundary side, whether it be Jerry Thompson or you know, whoever it may be. Um, with Jaday Barron, I've noticed teams lately, the only reason, the only way they're attacking him is with double moves. Double moves. And yes, right. And you notice this too, Drew. They're attacking him with double moves and what we and, and what basically are um it's things that are counter keys right things that work makes his keys make his keys work against him so if he's reading stock reading a, a blocker as a stock blocker and then oh man he's gonna be a, run, a force run defender and then they run a stock block and go which tcu is running against them which they just ran uh in this game too oklahoma state ran against them that's how you get a guy like jaday barrett he's so assignment sound and he's so good basically reading keys you make his keys work against him. Yep. And people have done that with double moves now, the out and up. That's how you get Jaday Barron. So I know some people were critical of him saying, man, Jaday Barron's been playing a little off, whatever. It, it's because with this much sample size, now you know exactly the way to attack him. Like it's, and it, it's not that he's just a, you know, a struggling or he's not focused or distracted. It's just because they're pinpointing the one weakness in my man's skill set is that. He's 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 very key oriented. That's why he's great at getting the tackles for loss on wide receiver screens because he reads the key and boom, he's down here instantly. Mm-hmm. Well, now 12 games in, they're using that against him a little bit. He'll adjust. But I'm saying don't freak out. I see people talking about that on Twitter. Don't freak out about it. Doesn't mean that he's regressing as a player or anything like that. No, you, you when a guy is that solid and that consistent. Yes. You can scheme against him like you would anyone else. Yeah. So sometimes, just like you scheme against the weakest player on the defense, let's say it's a safety, like you can always yeah. find things. But if someone is so content, so consistent with their tendencies, it can be the best player on the team. If yep. you know he plays something sound, you can just – the double moves they ran against him, I was like, <laughs> it had to be him. But that's what happens when you're a consistent player. They know what your rules are because you play them so soundly, they can just play yeah. off you. They can literally scheme against you. You guys watch the, uh, the the Cowboys game with Deron Bland? Deron Bland's playing like the best cornerback uh, in the league, right? All pro, defensive player of the year. They went after him, right? Because they know exactly how to go after him. Because if you sometimes just so consistent that, oh, you know what? We can make that consistency work against him. We know exactly what he's going to do on this down, with this technique, in this coverage. Boom. It's football, guys. You, hey, nobody is safe. <laughs> they coming after you, man. That's just the way it is. That's why it's fun. <laughs> hey, let's go through a couple more of these. Dan Fields, props to all of you for great shows this season. Love the mix of analysis, passion, and old school flavor. Hook them, P-S-F-A-F-O. Yay! I agree. That's the way to do it. Uh, Damon Graham, hook them, fellas. Great year and tons of fun and informative. Informative, You guys rock. We appreciate you. Rob Enfield for Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. And thank you, Rod. Uh, guys. Here's one that, that's uh, good. Brandon Ralston, let's go, guys. Hook them. I started watching this team in 2013. Probably the worst decade to start being a Longhorn fan and seeing a lot of pain. I can't describe how good this feels. Mark, your, your mark got his. What did y'all think? Uh, you know, the, the lost decade, we'll call it. Texas did win a Sugar Bowl in that decade, by the way, which – most teams, to be frank, would be happy with one. I mean, how many Sugar Bowls is, I don't know, A&M one? And they're, I, can't <laughs> I mean, I try to be rude, but, you know, that, that would be like a great decade for some teams. That, that's the real fan right there, Bobby. If somebody started in 2003 and they're still sticking around, 
Okay, I get you. <laughs> 2013. But, but, but 2013 and you're still here? Hey, guys, here's one. Thomas Menifee with the Super Chat. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, was the, uh, the Vondre Sweat TD enough to win the Heisman? No, I don't think so. Uh, hey. But the dance may be special. Uh, Rod or Jerry, what did y'all think of that? And Hey, do we now think Michael Penix is the leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman? Jaden Daniels. Daniels at LSU. This I think Bo Nix is probably out. Or at least down the ranks a little bit. If you believe that the quarterback win loss record is, you know, linked like the yeah, if it's, if it's the issue, yeah, yes, if that's the issue, then Penix is going to be your guy all the way. But if you're a guy that, hey man, you know, sometimes that those two things win loss record is not always on the quarterback, and a quarterback can have transcendent elite performance without necessarily it always equating to wins. Then you're a Jaden Daniels guy all the way from LSU. Now he hadn't played in a while. That's what's hurting him. Penix just played, just won a big game. So I think Penix is your leader right now, man. I do. I, I'd give it to him. I mean, yeah. he was he had some stones last night, guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, hey, this is from David Keith Williams. Uh, and this uh, gonna get into some other questions here from fans and, and comments that I really like uh to, to go address in this post-game show. Uh, this is a team with probably at least 30 NFL players. Jerry, I want, to, I want you to take this on, okay? Yeah. Longhorns should be Big 12 champs. I'm not sure they shouldn't be national champs if they can all remain healthy. My question is not so much the – we agree that there should be Big 12 champs. They just want it. National champs, we shall see. 30 NFL players on this Longhorn roster from 1 to 85. Is that, is that a bit high or is that in the realm? I think the way this player development go, is going at Texas, I think that's going to be about right. It's going to be in that area. I mean, look, what's going to get drafted this year? Six to nine? Eight to nine. Well, development, Jerry. These yeah. guys are being developed, too. That's right. That And that's the thing is, look, where is Sadir Mitchell going? Where is Jare Bledsoe going? Where is Ethan Burke going? I mean, look, there's there's a lot of talent in this program to be developed in the next two years. Uh, there's a lot of future draft picks that may have only played 5, 6, 10, 15 snaps this year or didn't play at all. I think 30 NFL players is probably about right for this roster right now. And look, that could even that doesn't even mean draft picks. Ryan Sanborn could make a team. It's not out of question. Mm -hmm. Bird Auburn could end up making a team, possibly. We'll see. Got to get a little stronger with the leg there. But he's trending in the right direction. You could have Keaton Crawford and Keelan Robinson – late draft picks, or make a team on special teams. So I, I think there are 30 NFL players in this program not right now, considering the talent in the freshman class and in the 22 class you're starting to see develop. And you know that freshman class is coming because they redshirted a lot of talented players. Yep. Boy, you know hey, what's funny, uh, Jerry? Texas has 30 NFL players in the NFL right now. Right. Hmm. All total. All told. And, that's, and they've lost think a about few. the last 10 years we're talking about. And that and that number's gone down, down, down from the, those the, the national championship guys, and right after that, the 09 team, those guys retired, and that number's gone down, down, down. As Texas hasn't been won as many games and had as much talent, I think you're starting to see that talent go up again uh, in the program. Uh, so I, you know, it's not going to surprise me if that's not the number in this program right now. Now, here's the difference: I don't think they have as many 
first-round level guys like a University of Georgia has, like maybe a Michigan has right now, like Nick Saban's had. I don't think they may have that level guys necessarily, but if they have a couple at quarterback, that makes everything a lot easier. <laughs> I was going to say, let me ask you this, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Arch Manning, Manny Muhammad, Anthony Hill, Derek mm-hmm. Williams. Yeah. You tell me those four don't look like what they're supposed to look like going in the first round at this stage of their career? I mean, I mean, I Drew and Rod, y'all seen them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, the key will be, and I like the Sark. I think Sark's, I've talked to Jerry about this. I think Sark's approach actually makes a lot of sense when it comes to the NFL's uh, basic view and value of what they call premium positions. Quarterback is one, left tackle is one, pass rusher, cornerback, wide receiver, you get it. Basically, everything that revolves around the quarterback in the passing game. Sark seems to also prioritize premium positions. Probably just the, the brand of football he wants to play, but he does. And the NFL, they look at that and go, Texas got the cornerbacks I like. They got the quarterbacks I like. They got they got to get the edge rusher. I think edge rusher is where Texas is trying to fill in next. They don't have the edge rusher premium position, but left tackle, quarterback, Wide receiver, cornerback, that's what the NFL wants. Those are the premium spots, and that's what Sark likes, too. I, I tell you what. It's I think when the, we start having three three to four guys a year, when you just have the depth on defense where your offensive linemen, where your guys in the trenches are getting yes. picked up. I, I, I hate to mention it, but OU, I feel like they had a, a couple old linemen who would get drafted every year no matter what. Yeah, We've had a draft drought, you know, for years. So I think that adds to that number count when you start developing guys – in the trenches on both sides of the ball that are that that are on the on the brink of, of, of getting drafted every year for sure. All right, uh, let's reset here a little bit. We have some more questions I want to get to in fan discussion uh, that I think are, are good. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you to the folks at Yingling uh, and Flight, the next generation of light beer from America's oldest brewery. Uh, it is one of the best beers out there right now. Uh, does not fill you up, uh, but has all the power that you want. Uh, that's Flight the next generation of light beer from the folks at Yingling. Also, thank you to the Faust Distributing Group and their, their support of the postgame, uh, as well as our friends at InsideTexas.com and here at On Texas Football. Jerry Hamilton, Rod Babers, uh, Bobby Burton, and Drew Kelson all alongside. Hey, uh, let's talk about this because some people have asked about this. Trevor Gentry says, Xavier's x-rays came back negative. They were able to determine that. He's got that dog in him, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there was no need for him to come back in the game tonight or this afternoon. No need. Speaking no of need. dog, I, I, we, we've talked about this, and Sark has mentioned this for years, and this is what – I mean, another guy who – we don't know how many more games we're going to see Xavier Worthy play, right? Um, yeah. For his size, mm-hmm. the contact courage that he has, the way he embraces blocking, the way he embraces – physicality the way when he could step out of bounds he chooses not to it's an attitude tone man yeah drew it's an attitude it's 165 pounds of attitude what bobby and i've talked about this we've talked about this we're covering recruiting a long time fresno kids are tough kids fresno kids come out of california they're tough physical kids even at skill position covering this for years and years uh, and, and worthy. I mean, look, that guy plays with zero fear. I mean, absolutely zero fear to Drew's point. Uh, and that contact courage, I think, is a great way to put it. 
Great time. Do you guys know, uh, remember the defensive back, Ricky Manning? Yeah. Played in the NFL a long time. Yeah, yeah. Fresno Edison. Uh, yeah, he was a, was it UCLA he went to? Yep. Yeah, he yeah. was just – saw him in high school. That I went out there for that, and they probably had six Division One guys on their team, three defensive backs. Wow. They could all run. I mean, they just – and they, they do. They play – it's It's interesting. It's an interesting town because it's so blue collar. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, you get that from like different regions of Texas back in the day, right? Your yeah. East Texas, oh, West yeah. Texas, Longview, yeah, it is very much just it, it's larger, obviously. Fresno's a bigger team, yeah. Uh, but my point is, our bigger town that's the kind of guys you get from there, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense. But Jerry, that's what Jerry was really trying to. Point out. Hey, uh, hey, hey guys, I got to get going. I got to I gotta check out a hotel. All right. Um, so Gary, you take care, buddy. A- any final thoughts? Hey, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, you know, look, I'll say this from a recruiting perspective. I don't think there could have been two bigger wins for Texas in recruiting this year, even, even if they beat OU, was the win at Alabama and then the Big 12 championship game. Because that was two games where so many eyeballs outside of the state of Texas, outside of the region – we're watching the University of Texas play. I, I think this season has been unbelievable on the field. We'll see a big Louisville fans tonight. But I think from a recruiting perspective, I don't think this season could have gone any better for Sarkeesian, right? I mean, Anthony Hill, Malik Muhammad. Think about the freshman. Derek Williams wasn't even an early enrollee. Think about the impacts these young guys are having on this program right now. When highly ranked guys come in and you see them on the field, that really hits home in recruiting. I think also portal recruiting is going to be on fire for Texas. A.D. Mitchell leaves Georgia, the best program in the country. Some people are probably thinking, what's this guy doing, right? Obviously, he, had a, he has a child in the Dallas area. He's from the Houston area, Missouri City. He comes in and has his best year of college football on the field. Now, he wasn't healthy last year, but your guys in the portal are producing as well. I don't think this could have gone any better for Sark from a recruiting perspective this year. Uh, and I think they're going to have more kids on campus. They're going to get to closely evaluate more kids in those younger classes. And, and I think from a recruiting perspective, this is a, I'm not saying a tidal wave of momentum because NILs kind of changed the game, but this is as much momentum as you can have outside of Georgia right now, in my opinion. Wow. Got it. All right, Jerry. I appreciate you, buddy. You be Got safe. It. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you again. We got some more stuff to do later today uh, as well. That's Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On Three. We appreciate his uh, contributions to On Texas football each and every week and day. Really, uh, he and I trying to hold it down along with Rod and Drew here in the post game show. Brought to you by Flight, the next generation of light beer. All right, we got some other quotes co- coming. Talking about recruiting, Jay the Activist says Texas has a GI Joe clone in Colin Simmons. That's the defensive end out of uh, out of a. Uh, Duncanville that had 23 sacks a year ago, guys. Uh, UT Parking, who wins the, the, a game? 2020, 20, oh, Rod, this is for you now. This is taking 2001 <laughs> Texas, which Rod Babers was a part of. Oh, man. 2023 Texas. Oh, that's good. That's you a, next man. Well, who you guard? Who you guard? That's you, a good you, one. you boundary or field, Rod? That's a good one. <laughs> hey, man, we didn't, we, I don't know, we, we didn't play boundary or field. You were left. He played Bowser Field back in the day. They might have, honestly, depending on how it all works out, I mean, like I said, I don't know what they would have did with X. We probably would have bracketed X, honestly. Because I think, honestly, I'm not against A.D. Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell's a great route runner. I, I feel like A.D. Mitchell's an easier cover than Yeah, he is. he is. He is. Exactly, right? Like, great route you know, runner. He won't beat you. He won't embarrass you. 
He's not exact. X Man will make you look bad out there, and you know you'll pull you, you pull your ACL or something crazy. Yeah. So I I think for for us, I think we lose that game. And I'll tell you why. We lose that game because 01 was not as clutch as 2023. They're Interesting. Great They're a great team because they were clutch. We were not clutch. We didn't beat OU when we should have beat OU. All right, even though we had a really great defense, a Big 12 title game, had a chance to close out a team we had already beaten in Colorado and beat them, and we didn't um, end up losing that game, losing the Big 12 title game, even though we know we had a chance to play for the national title. We know at the time. We knew at the time we had a chance to play for the national title. Yeah, if we beat Colorado and we did not. We were not clutch. We were a good team, really good team, actually, really good. Um, This is a great team. And they were clutch. We were a really good team. We were not clutch. I, I, I'll admit that. I, I can I can admit that right now. Because you're clutch. I we, we win one of those games. <laughs> we beat Oklahoma or we win the big throw out game. We didn't do either. So you can't hey. say it's clutch if you don't win the big game. 12 and one, Rod, is a hell of a year. Uh, it's amazing year. year. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. It's one of the greatest years in the history of Texas football, guys. Like now we gotta put this team in once they're done. We'll rank them with the all-time great Texas teams and have to have a realistic conversation about where they are. The ones who won a national title, clearly ahead of them for now. But other than that, guys, we got to have a conversation. That's how good they are. That's how good they are. This is why I I, I thought they were – I mean, my my prediction was 12-0 and this year, and it wasn't so much that I I was – it was on hope – that I made that prediction. It was just more, they, they were capable. Whether you do it or not is one thing. It wasn't, I think, I knew they would be the best team for the majority of the games this, this year. And not talent. I'm not talking talent. I'm talking experience. I'm talking physicality. I'm talking, I believed in the run game. I knew what we were returning on defense. This team, 12-1, and one, this is a special team. And, and more importantly for me, as a as a play, I need to find out how to brand myself, uh, Rod, because you you're a football theorist, like through and through. I I, I consider myself an empath, like huh. <laughs> myself an empath. What a word, Drew Kelsey. No, truly, truly, like I, I feel what these guys feel. I yeah. these these last ten years hadn't felt great to me. Like you <laughs> see it from a coaching perspective and from a scheme perspective, and that's it. That's fun for you. For me, I'm still trying to just get a hit, right? Like I'm yeah. enjoying this ride with these guys. So this 12 and one season is special to me because yeah. they worked for it. The, the culture, the themes, the things that they really latched onto, they they believed in. The Xavier Worthy's running through guys. The next man up. The guys getting injured, and we still stepping up. The mentality. We've had plenty of teams that talk it. Plenty of teams. Plenty of rah rah. Plenty of that. Mm-hmm. Plenty of teams that want to pretend they want to fight on the sideline. Like we've had tough guys before. Now we have guys who are going out there and doing it. They're taking the emotion. They're not just putting it, thinking emotion wins games. They're putting it into their preparation. Hey, I want to add prepared to win games. There's 12 games. They played. There's only 12 days you play these games. There's 350 plus game days of the year where you have to be focused on football away from these games that is the that's how you win that's what this is a culmination of great i'm thinking of this and y'all are talking about that you know who was at the game today on the sidelines vy roshan johnson oh yeah 
You think he's happy for the Longhorns right now? He's a culture guy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he helped set it for Steve Sarkeesian. All right. I have a couple more comments here uh, that have come in. This one's kind of special to me. Sonny V. I'm channeling a 10-year-old Sonny watching Duke Carlisle dismantle Navy for the Horns' first national championship. Uh, that was against Navy, by the way, wow. in 1963. Sonny wow. V. was so he's born in 1953. Man. 70 years young, wow. baby. 70 years young, and now he's on YouTube. Everybody smile. I want to be like, you, Sonny. I want to be you. I'm going to be right here with you, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's we all so Thanks for visiting, Sonny. We appreciate you, buddy. But that's, but the, um, can we stop right there real quick, though? That's what, that's what makes it special. This is what Drew's talking about, right? This is what's connecting these generational Longhorn fans because it feels familiar. It's nostalgia. It feels like something you felt before, but it's new. But it feels like something you felt before because you recognize a team with great culture, a team with great leadership, a team that has great football character. We've seen it before. Drew's played for those teams. I played for one or two of those teams. All right. Sonny recognized those teams way, way back in the day. And we went for like 15 years and only saw that a few times, these glimpses. And now Sark is hoping to establish that. And now make that a, the standard once again at Texas. And that's what we, we all recognize. We all know what it looks like. We that's all know what right. it feels like. And we know that it didn't feel like that for the last 15 years. And now, even though it's only one season, y'all admit, it does feel like that. It smells like that. It, it You know what I mean? Like it, it tastes like that. Oh, man, if it's that, good Lord. Watch out, college football. Because <laughs> it does Rod, feel like it. Rod, you said the key part. It's always easy. I'm, and I'm not tired of this because we want to enjoy this team and this program, this this right now. But we don't just want to pick out teams, the 2021, the 2005, the 2009, mm-hmm. 2010. I'm tired of picking out segments of our history and picking out teams that had good culture. Yeah. I believe – and I hope and I'm, I'm hoping that we can build a program of good culture, mm-hmm. a standard of good culture, a standard of what the expectations are. So we're not picking out any random team, a couple teams for a decade. It's where we're sizing up, man, you know, every every regime of quarterback, every regime of great running back, every regime of defense and talents and defensive linemen and DBs like this should become more and more of a standard. And um we have some anchors in place that I think are going to help us do that. Make that. All right. Hey guys, a couple more questions that we got. We're going to try to get through here uh, and uh, go as long as you're, I, I, I tell you what, this is the last game for a while. I do want to say this before we get to this question, Alabama just went up 10, seven on uh, Georgia in the uh, early second, about 12 minutes left. Uh, Alabama moving the ball right now on Georgia after their first possession, Alabama's moved the ball twice. One uh, one field goal and one touchdown as a result, up 10-7 to seven, uh, right now. All right, this was from Russell. Insane game. Saying this with a smile, I hold my breath when QR, QE, Quinn Ewers, runs for it. He looks like <laughs> a klutzy injury disaster about to happen. Strange for such a big-time athlete. Hopefully more time in the weight room helps. Hook him. <laughs> I will say this. There's a theme here. I, I'll let you. I'll let you comment on the klutzy thing because you know, I, I can't do that necessarily. I'm such a good athlete, you know. But <laughs> my, my point is this: one of the things that that, that has been touted as a reason that Quinn wants to come back 
physical development. Mm. We mentioned a number of starts uh, in about midway through this uh, post game. We talked about one of the reasons why we're hearing that Quinn wants to return is the success rate of quarterbacks that get drafted who have started 25 games or more in college. Yep. The, the, the success rate basically is three times those who don't. And that's part of it. But the other one that we mentioned, development in the weight room, body gets better prepared maybe. Those older kids, when they enter the league, so they're not beat up and end up with five injuries before they've even finished their second year, right? So maybe that's part of it is uh, part of it too. Uh, you have something to say though, Drew, about being klutzy. So I, I'm I'm waiting to hear from you. Well, well, this is more really, you know, it's not it's not a bad thing. It's really more a testament to his greatness. I think those of us who watch Quinn play often, and maybe let's say NFL scouts, we see a different Quinn than maybe those who don't see him every week. He's so effortless and unassuming that I don't think people really. They don't see big arm. They just see a guy who's just throwing a football. And when you look at him execute, he, he's not physically imposing. And it almost looks like there are guys we used to play against. I, I, I can't call out a, a quarterback at the top of my head, but it's just you have a guy who just you're like, how does he keep doing this to us? He doesn't look like anything special, yet he's doing it. And Quinn's just one of those unassuming, effortless guys that it can look klutzy, but if it's if it's effective. And then in games like this where he's confident to use his legs because he wasn't using his legs for a few games after returning. He, no. he was he was a little more antsy. So I just – I think coming back another year is going to help him a lot. But, uh, yeah, very proud of, of what he has put together so far, especially battling through injuries. Absolutely. I, I Look, you got to – hats off to him. Uh, he brought it today, that's for sure. Uh, I want to talk about this one because I just like this. Eddie Gartman, it's petty, but I like it. Oklahoma State fan had the best sign of the day. Can we agree on this? OU sucks. There we go. Oh, All right. AC <laughs> had this with Rod. You played in a game similar to what Florida State's playing in. Yeah. Uh, Rod, the pressure on Florida State right now has to be insane. Um and if they're likely, according to ABC, going with their number three quarterback now. That's the real thing. That's that's yeah, the issue so right there. What yeah. are you thinking right now? I mean, you've been because y'all y'all were playing Colorado with a chance to go play for it all. Uh, yeah, Florida State's playing Louisville in the conference championship game with a chance to go play for it all. How? What do you think the pressure is on those guys? I, I do think it's immense, especially with the quarterback issues. Right now, now you're down your third string quarterback. And that makes that makes I don't care who you're playing up against. You're, if you're playing your third string quarterback, man, that's a pick em. That that game could go either way. Right? Uh, your third string quarterback can play great. They could have a bad game. They could play like a third string quarterback. Either way, you could be at a severe disadvantage. You got to sit you to win that game with two of your three phases because you can't count on your offense to have a blockbuster performance. You got to win with special teams and with defense. Now, FSU's got a really good defense, um, but man, the margin for error. Right now, for for Florida State in that game is shrinking. All right, considerably by the second, it's minuscule. Um, so yeah, a lot of pressure on those guys, and you lost your leader, right? They got the natural leadership position at quarterback. So I don't know exactly what we're gonna see from Florida State. I know Louisville. Um, you know they can score a lot of. If Louisville scores close to thirty points, that may be all they need. If they score twenty four points, that may be all they need. I don't know if Florida State can score. You know, four touchdowns. I don't know if they can score 
28 points to 30 points in this game. And I think Louisville can um, right now. So we'll see. I'm obviously I'm rooting for Louisville, <laughs> um, but I just, I think it's going to be uh it's a lot of pressure on them. Mike Norvell might have to have his best coaching performance of his career in order to, for his team to win that game. All right. Um, look, we're looking at it right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at Texas having two opportunities to get into the college football playoff, either Alabama win, or either Alabama wins or, for, or Louisville wins, and I think Texas gets into the college football playoff after Texas takes care of business 49-21 to 21, uh, against uh, the uh, uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. You're listening to the Inside Texas on Texas Football postgame show brought to you by the folks at Flight, uh, the next generation of light beer from Yingling, America's oldest brewery. We appreciate them as well as Faust Distributing. Here's a great question. Justin Yarbrough. Guys, how do we keep building this program from here? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a, a, a AP not a PSA public yeah. service announcement. Check out TexasOneFund.org. That is the NIL equivalent for the University of Texas collect, Collectives. Mm -hmm. uh, they are doing yeoman's work over there. People that are donating are doing great jobs. Give them a shout or look it up if you're interested. Uh, that's TexasOneFund.org. Uh, they are absolutely, uh, you know, helping retain players, bring players into the program, uh, and making sure that Texas is competitive on an elite level on an ongoing basis. That being said, okay, recruiting and portal are, are important. I want you two, Drew and Rod, to talk about how you keep the culture going, how you keep the off-season workouts going, how you keep them focused to continue to improving and not get a big head after you go 12 and one and end up no offense, but like TCU this year in five and seven. Totally agree. Um, How do you do I, it? How do you do it? I, I think part of it is, and Drew will remember this too. And I don't know where the disconnect got lost. And one time at Texas, there was a, you know, there was a culture of passing down those lessons of, you know, of, of culture and the lessons of a work ethic down to the, the, the next generation down to the younger guys from the older guys. I remember, you know, learning it from guys like Quentin Jammer and then making sure that I, I made sure that Michael Huff and Nathan Basher, that they also understood the standard. And that by the time I left, I left it better than I found it. I do think that's part of it. That's a responsibility. That's why you got Rojo coming back. Right. That's why a lot of guys would always come back. You remember that, Drew? Guys are coming back to make sure, like, okay, all right, all right, this is that. I thought the young bucks had it taken care of. They definitely do. We all good. All right. To make sure the standard does not drop off. And I said this a long time ago. The standard is the standard. You cannot let your expectation affect the standard of Texas football. And it's a really high standard. And sometimes that's unfortunate because you can have a good team that doesn't meet the standard. I played on good teams that did not meet the standard. I played on 11 win teams that did not meet the standard. Played on 11 win teams that didn't beat Oklahoma and didn't play for uh, for Big 12 championships. That's the standard. Beating Oklahoma, playing for Big 12 titles, that's part of it. That'll change when you go into the SEC. Still, the standard is playing for championships. So it is a really high standard, but that's why you keep pushing yourself. And as Drew mentioned, and Drew said it better than anybody else that I've heard, right? You got these 13 games they play. They'll play hopefully – 15 games when it's all said and done. Um, that's 15 out of 365. What do you do for the other 350? All right. What are you doing? That's that's where the games are won and lost. 
They're not yeah. actually on game day. That's the easy part. That's the point that everybody shows up for. All the fans show up for that one. That's what all the players show up. Everybody shows up on that game day, man. That's easy. That's the fun part of it. But what's the part that's not so fun? 350 days of it ain't fun at all. It's in the weight room for two, three hours. All right. You're in the film room in the dark for four, five hours trying to find a little hint of a trend or a pattern that may give you an advantage, right? Oh, man, I can't go out. Man, I got to get up in the morning. Man, I can't go out. You got women hitting you up. You got the booty calls. I got to reject that. I do. I want to I got to I got to get up and go to this weight room in the morning. Those are the decisions, right? Oh, man, no, I got I to gotta make a better decision. I got to do this for the team, not for myself. Those are the decisions actually that make you a championship football team. When Jay Witt decided, man, I'm going on my day off, I'm going to the training room just to get some of this training work to make sure that I stay healthy so I can make it through every game. Those are the decisions. Every player on your team, though, walk-ons, the, the front-line first-round talents who are going to be drafted there, all of them thinking the same way. The walk-ons at the same attitude. Nah, man, we got work guys tomorrow. We got to make sure we get up, man. Nah, we ain't going out. We'll go out the next day when we got the day off after that. That's what we'll do. Everybody making decisions based on – is this going to make us a better football team? Is this going to help us beat Oklahoma? Is this going to help us win the Big 12 title? If it don't, then cut that noise out. Get it out. Get it out of the routine. Get it out of the regimen. It don't matter. That's what these guys did. I, I witnessed that. I was a part of it one time. Drew's been a part of it. That's what well, they're special about, and that's how you keep the culture going. Well, well, that's why I'm excited about this team and how it keeps keeps going, Rod, is – it, it really, for me, it starts with Sark. So I listen to every Sark interview, radio show call, because that's the core of the program. Uh, but also because it's encouraging for me. If you ever go listen to Sark, the, his consistency with his own messages to his team. And one thing, it, it, the, the portal combined with Sark being our coach, there's two things here. I'm not saying the portal is the thing we need from an acquisition standpoint, but you can invite people to the portal if they're not meeting a standard. And one thing Coach Sark does when he's going on campus and he's recruiting kids, he wants to know how they're spending their time. He wants to know, hey, what, you know, what, what did you do last night? You know, and it could be a Friday night or a Saturday night. He's catching up with a player. What, what were they doing? Were you? What, did you watch the game last night? Yeah. Uh, no, Coach, I was up playing the video game. Nope. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> – he will recruit a player that might not be a top player because he's a competitor. Yeah. How does he play? Does he play other sports? Does he run track? Does he does he does he compete in other things? Does he hate losing? Sark is recruiting players. His standard and what he's looking for, as long as he's here, I trust that he's weeding out and he has a platform to both weed out the players who do not fit the culture and the standard of competition, the standard of excellence, and the standard of brotherhood. If you don't fit that, fine. You don't belong here, and that's fine. We will find someone who wants to be a part of this and who's going to hold that standard. I love it, guys. I love when y'all talk about what it takes to continue on uh, because that's really, uh, you know, that's what it's all about, in my opinion, is it's not just about this year, although we can relish and rejoice in it, right? Um, it's about all the things that can happen after this as, and as partially as a result of it. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, look, he's probably looking at a pretty good contract extension at this point in his life, guys. He deserves it. After 12 and 1. Uh, and I just, I look at the last two games, even the Iowa State game, 
Last three games. Second half at Iowa State. That from then on, Rod, different team, man. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all you just it's almost like they said, you know what? It's all there for us now. It's all there. And they they took that switch. What is it? Sark, was it Sark that says this? Uh first you lose big, then you lose small, then you win small, and then you win big. Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden, that's what you quoted. Bobby yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel maybe like that's what Texas is doing right now in Sark's the end of Sark's third year? Feels like it, right? Feels like they're in the yeah. win big phase now. Yeah, that's win close phase. It it does feel like I was doing it. I, I remember saying in the second half of the Iowa State game, that might have been one of the best play calling performances I've seen from Steve Sarkeesian in terms of winning the chess match within the game against John Haycock. And ever since then, I'm with you. I don't know if I've had you know a really a, a true critic a critique or a criticism of his play calling since then. He, I think, has now taken his game as a coach, as a play calling to another level as well. And that's what we have to recognize. Not only have the, has the team decided that, you know, they want to be considered a great team, one of the four best teams in college football, but I think Sark now has taken his game to the next level too. And that, that is pretty obvious across the board as a play caller, but also as a head coach. Got it. All right. Here's a pretty classy post, Drew and Rod. I want to I want to write I say to you. Anthony Fleck, as a Pokes fan, so as an Oklahoma State fan, that was men versus boys. Totally overmatched, and you guys are for sure a top four team, regardless of college football playoff appearance. Thanks, Anthony. That's classy. Yeah, it really is. And and I don't know if Texas is for sure a top four. I mean, I, I think they are, but it's a, still a beauty contest. They got to prove it on the field, right? Uh, but – in all honesty, that, that's that's what it's all about, um, in my opinion, is, you know, Texas put themselves on a pedestal today with this performance to be judged that way, right? And I also yep. would say this. This is what sportsmanship is about. Yep. Thanks to you, Anthony Fleck, for coming over here at a time where Texas fans are truthfully rejoicing. I don't know if you all saw this or not, but a, a buddy of mine sent me a, a, a photo text DJ Campbell was doing snow angels. <laughs> in the <laughs> oh, in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, 325 pound snow angels. <laughs> that's Listen, joy. Frosty never looked so good. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want anybody here to spend less time on, on Texas football or inside Texas, but with your extra time beyond that, if you have a chance to just listen to the player interviews and just people to oh. like follow, you when you learn about these players, th- this is a good group of guys, man. It's just yeah. these are some good kids. They're fun. They enjoy each other, but they're mean too. They they play with a chip on their shoulder. They're competitive, but this is a fun group of kids. And and this is during a time. And maybe I sound like an old man, like I'm sure many can. But well, you just there's a lot of kids this age you just don't know about. You know, like you don't know if their priorities are where they should or could be. You don't know if they really value the opportunities they have on the field. I didn't get paid a dime to, to extra beyond, beyond my, my little stipend to, to show up and do it. And I love this game. And so now you got to sift through that stuff. Who wants to be here because they want to be here. They want to be a part of something. They don't just want to wear the Jersey. They're going to have fun with it. And in early in that game, especially at the Tavondre sweat uh, uh, touchdown, 
it almost felt like it was a party extended from the week before. Because this team celebrated, they had a great time with it. It was it was infectious. Like you felt that 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 was a moment you felt. But the same joy with, with the guy like DJ Campbell, big DJ Campbell doing snow angels. That's fun. He does not take himself seriously, but when the game is on, he's serious. Same thing with Tavondre Sweat. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't take himself seriously, but when it's time to go, he's going. These this is a fun team. This is a fun team. Yep. yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I'm I'm looking at this game. I got to tell you all this. Alabama up ten to seven. Georgia missed a field goal, hit the uh, goalpost, and bounced off on their last drive. Alabama again now driving inside the forty of uh, Georgia. Alabama guys, I, I you know it, don't pitch me yet. I want to say that right. Don't let's let's not go there yet. Uh, but Alabama. Uh, playing the the Bulldogs pretty darn good, uh, and uh, yeah, Jalen Milrose still is not a great thrower of the football, though. <laughs> no, he's not, but he's playing much better than he was when Texas played up against him, and he's now more a little bit more settled. I mean, that's a brand new system he's playing in, even yep. though sorry, you know, uh, Nick Saban says it's still his system, but he's bringing in Tommy Reese, so he's just more comfortable. And now they're they're building that offense around his strengths. When they played Texas, guys, remember you only had three design runs. And we are all like, what the hell is that? Thank God you only had three design runs. Now they're running the football more with him. And that's one of the issues with Georgia's defense. It's a great defense, but one of the ways to exploit it, probably with any defense, dual-threat quarterback. They've had trouble defending dual-threat quarterbacks this year. I, I look at it, and my, my take on it, Rod and Drew, is uh, Texas, whether it's Alabama that wins – or Florida State that wins, I, I want to see this Texas team in the college football playoff. I think they deserve a berth. I th- to the point of the other guy that just wrote in, I do think they're one of the top four teams, and I do think they deserve a berth here. All right, uh, got a couple more questions we're going to get to. We're winding down here on the post-game show uh, on Texas football, Inside Texas, uh, brought to you by the folks at Flight and Faust Distributing. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship, year-long sponsorship, by the way, of on Texas football. Uh, guys, this one is from Wes Campbell. There are some questions that came out of this tonight or this afternoon. Uh, great win from Wes Campbell. I'm concerned that our DBs consistently do not turn to find the ball on fly ball deep shots. Ideas? Rod, you mentioned that some DBs are just ball hawks and kind of see the ball yeah. and feel it. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jade Barron's not that because there were a couple times tonight that that happened. Ryan yeah. Watts has kind of missed that a little bit at times. Manny Muhammad is, we think. Manny Muhammad's a ball guy. And, ball and ball Michael Taff is, I think. Yep, Taff is a ball hog guy. He's, he's, not in sing, he's not in man coverage as much, but yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I do think uh, – I because I, I, I think Drew probably has, you know, some great thoughts on it as well. I do think they need a panic plan. I, and that's all about knowing your skill set as a DB. When the ball is thrown deep, you have to know how you want to play it. I usually, because I was bad at playing the ball, had bad hands. Why the hell am I going to play the ball so I can drop it? All right. So I, I would play the I would play the hands of the DB and the eyes of the receiver. I play the hands of the receiver and the eyes of the receiver. Eyes will usually lead you to oh his eyes get real big, eyes get big, ball's coming. <laughs> they can't help it. They have never seen a receiver whose eyes don't get big when the ball's coming. Eyes get big, especially on a deep ball. You got time to react. And their hands, this is usually when you know you got a really savvy receiver. They'll flash hands the last minute. You know that, Drew, like last second. They'll be running and then 
they'll flash hands as soon as they're about to catch it. But most receivers who are inexperienced, they'll put those hands up way early. They'll start putting those hands up and position them a couple of seconds before the balls get there, and that gives you a chance to shoot. They'll come shoot the hands. I want to shoot my hands. I want to shoot my hands right in between their hands. Boom, I got a chance to disrupt, dislodge the ball, or knock it away. Um, so that's how I play deep balls all the time. Now, if I was in great position, what they call in phase, I'm in phase, that means I have – Great, I have really good control, leverage over the wide receiver. I would do the look and lean. This is crazy because this is what um, was it? Uh, was it Terrence Brooks? The first deep ball they threw that they that everybody thought should have been a pi. Um, he's looking and leaning at first. See it, Drew? He had I haven't seen that. I feel like I have not seen that in forever. I man. know. And then he and then he loses the receiver. He didn't, he didn't feel him. And then he starts to turn and then find him and reacquire him and then plays the receiver and then got a little handsy. But the look and lean is what you ideally want a DB to do. I can lean on the receiver, look back for the football and play it. That's the technique that Coach Akina taught us most of the time. But I wasn't great at playing the football, so you've got to know yourself. I was bad at that, so I played the receiver really well, and I was damn good at it. But you can't you can't be too handsy if you're gonna play the receiver because your back is to the ball, and referees will always throw balls, throw flats quick if your back is to the quarterback. There you go. First thing I'll say is there are way right. You correct me if I'm wrong. There are way more routes on the route tree than there were when we were playing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just let's let's just call it what it is. Yeah. There are so many more routes on the routes tree right now. The way they scheme guys open, the way they scheme open matchups. So there's a combination of needing to be in the right place to make the right play. And a lot of times when you see a guy's not playing the ball well, it's first, do they even have the man covered? Because you can't even think about the ball unless you have the man. Usually when the ball's in the air, a guy's not thinking about the ball. He's like, oh crap, I need to go get Mm. on the man. And yeah. so sometimes that's the first step of playing the ball well is do you have control of the man? Because most times when you see someone not playing the ball at all, it's because they're just not confident or they don't feel like they're in good position on the man. They're in recovery on the man while the ball is in route. The ball gets completed. They really never have a chance. When guys are in control, if they still aren't well playing the ball, then that's a completely separate issue. But you definitely – I think more times than not when we see our guys not playing the ball well – it's because they don't really have good sense or good control of where their man is and they're in recovery on the man. So uh, either way, it can be frustrating, but it's also, it happens a few times a game on every time you watching Alabama and Georgia. It's happening. It's happening right, right in front of our eyes. We're DB trying to recover, draws a pass interference. It happens yeah. every game of the week, guys. It's not just us. You're right. All right. Uh, here's a couple of uh, super chats coming in. Uh, this one, uh, a guy that we all know, Joe Jamail, uh, is a is a long lost Longhorn now. Uh, <laughs> uh, donated a lot of money. Defeated Pennzoil in the largest largest tort case I think in the history of the world. Yeah. Uh, he won four billion dollars in a single judgment. Uh, unleashed Texas law and the ghost of the late great Houstonian Joe Jamail on the college football <laughs> playoff committee. If they dare put Bama over us, I agree with you, Joe. Or put them both in history. Hey, this one's for David McDermott. Uh, I suspect that the college football playoff committee has a collective bias against uh, the Big Twelve and Texas in particular. I wonder if the college football committee would view rank OU the same way if the roles were reversed. That this is a fair question in part because Texas guys gets positioned as the ones that drug. Oklahoma to the SEC with them, you know. Yeah, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Well, I, I don't think so either. 
They went for the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oklahoma State is not as flush of an athletic department, even though they're a very good one and have a lot of money. They're not as flush as the University of Texas athletic department in particular. Y'all agree with that? Yep. What, are y'all th- what are y'all's thoughts? You think the playoff committee a little biased against the Big 12, or is it just that, you know what, there are four undefeated teams in Power 5 conferences this year? It's there, There's this many teams in Power 5 conferences. I mean, let, let, let's be real. If Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, we're not even we don't have as much hope today as we do right now. Right. We're just assuming whoever wins this Bama Georgia game is going to go. We're assuming Michigan, Washington and then Florida State. We just we, we just are planning on that. Or we're hoping Louisville's, you know, that, that they win, that Louisville wins with just against Jordan Travis. So we will probably be in this situation regardless. And because we lost the game to OU at the end of the day, this was the year to be undefeated. We were not undefeated, but the fact that we went on the road and played against Alabama and we won the big 12 championship in spite of, you know, we won that we had that one loss. We're in the best position we could possibly be in. And, and it's because we challenged ourselves on the road early in the year. I agree, man. That's you talk about the value of that Alabama game. I agree with what Drew just said. That's the value you extract. You learn something. Those guys, those dudes learn something by going into that. Great stuff, Drew. Hey, this is from Mason Madrid. Hey. Thank you all for all the work this season. Over 19,000 minutes listening to y'all on Spotify this year. Hey, I hope, hey, I hope the cost was worth it, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> you have to hear me, Drew, uh, Rod, Jerry, Eric, all the guys uh, at Texas That's as well. Fun. We hope you guys have enjoyed yourself. Uh, we've had a great time as well. All right. Uh, that's going to probably do it for today. I'm going to sit here and watch this Alabama-Georgia game and root for the too, man. Side. Let's go Jalen Milrow, former Texas commit, by the way. You're damn right. Uh, Jalen Milrow uh, leading the Crimson Tide right now uh, against Georgia. It's 10-7. to 7. It's a fourth down uh, midway through the second quarter. Uh, Georgia – or excuse me, Alabama up 10-7. to 7. And then tonight, and I'm definitely going to be watching the 7, seven o'clock game, myself and Paul Wadlington, guys, are going to be talking college football around 9.30 tonight. Ooh. You want to hop on with us a little bit late, feel free to, to release some angst to talk about what we got here. So y'all going to be all uh, doing the ACC, ACC title game? Uh, what's that? Yeah, we're going to do it during the ACC title game. And, boy, Isaiah Bond just made an unbelievable catch uh, on a fourth down play. Unbelievable catch. Alabama's Alabama's prime for this, guys. They're prime for this. I just I, I think chaos helps Texas. I've been rooting for chaos forever. I've been telling y'all chaos will be good for Texas because chaos will force them to look back at that one loss resume and go, damn man, yeah, you see how impressive Texas resume looks? Yeah. You gotta go back, especially if Bama wins. You gotta go back to the only loss they got. Come on, baby. Yeah. All right, hey, let's let's end with this one because again, we all respect Mike Gundy here, do we not? Uh, yes, is that just my imagination? We do, yeah. right? Juan yeah. at at Gundy's post game press conference, he said Texas was better in person than they were on tape. Wow, really, Gundy? Fafo, Big Twelve champs, baby. We don't want. I agree. Longhorns, guys, uh, you got to say what we we got to say here. Uh, Twelve and one tonight or this afternoon. Enjoy it. Uh, Bama now goes up 17 to 7 on a Jermaine Burton uh, in the Georgia Dome. Boy, I tell you what, we'll see what happens here. 
Georgia's defense, Georgia's secondary is having some issues. It's not their front. And they're not getting much pressure on the passer right now, guys. Texas yeah. got pressure. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. All right, <laughs> guys, here we go. Uh, that's going to do it for the post-game show. We'll have a post-game show. Drew, you're going to come back with us. You'll be on some coffee and footballs, hopefully, in the oh, yeah. with us as well. Rod, you're going to be on with us all, all year long. Sure. We appreciate you guys with the post-game show this year. Thanks to Flight. Thanks to everybody that joined us and all the Longhorn fans out there everywhere. It's been a hell of a ride. 12-1. and one. Texas football back on top of the Big 12 just as they exit. For Rod Babers, Drew Kelson, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching on Texas football. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome.